Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Right. Thank you so much for your giving tonight. Uh, glad you're here. Anybody ready for God's Word tonight? Man, I'm so excited to share it with you. Um, I, I'm really excited about the content. Uh, hit your neighbor and tell them it's going to be deep, but it's going to be good. All right. Uh, that's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else it's going to be deep, but it's going to be good. All right. Um, I, I'm, I don't say this a lot when I get up to preach. It's just not something I say often. But I do believe that the revelation that I want to share with you tonight has the potential to change your life, specifically your prayer life, for the rest of your life. And so I don't say that lightly. I do believe that it's going to change the way you uh, spend time with God, uh, what we're going to be talking about over these next few minutes I want to I call it simply the purpose and power of prayer. The purpose and power of prayer. If you have the Bethesda app, the notes are in there. Uh, if you don't have the app and you don't like doing anything digitally, you can pull out your actual Bible. How many know we need to pull out an actual Bible every now and then uh, and open it up? Um, so you can open up a Bible. If you've uh, got something to write with, this is the kind of message you're probably going to want to have these notes moving forward. Uh, I want to start with a few scriptures. We'll lay some foundation. I may do more teaching than preaching, but I do believe that we're going to hit a point in the service where this thing's going to come alive, and we're going to see the Holy Spirit do something in the room tonight. Anybody believe the Holy Spirit's going to do something in the room tonight? The purpose and power of prayer. Mark 11, if you've got a Bible or your phone, however you're going to read it, Mark 11. Uh, we're going to look at verses 22 through 24. We're going to start there. It says, Then Jesus said to the, the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, this is a picture of what happens when you and I pray. It, that prayer is powerful. That nothing, listen to me, nothing happens in the earth unless the people of God pray. God will do nothing in the earth if we do not cooperate with him. Now, look at another verse. This is just an interesting verse because it, it'll help me illustrate a point. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. One verse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 20. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Okay, very simple scripture, but a powerful scripture. This speaks to us not so much about the power of prayer. This verse speaks to us about the purpose of prayer, that we are God's ambassadors in the earth. And this is the understanding that uh, a lot of Christians often miss, that when it comes to prayer, many people misunderstand or do not understand the purpose and the power of prayer. They do not understand how paramount it is that we, that we pray and spend time with God. And I think many people struggle to pray because they, they don't really know what prayer is. They, you ask them what prayer is and they can't really define prayer. They, they, they don't even know what it means to spend time with God. For some uh, people, uh, prayer has become a place of disappointment. Um, every time they pray, they're reminded uh, of, of I should be here more often than I am. And as soon as you get in a posture of prayer, the enemy starts speaking into your mind and it, it becomes a place of shame and disappointment. Uh, and it's a reminder that, that you haven't been spending enough time with God. And here's, here's the thing. I believe that prayer is more about what God does in 
and through us than it is about us going through the motions with him. So many times we're trying to, am I praying the right prayer? Am I saying the right words? Am I, am I spending enough time? And we put all, the, all these motions, all these rules on what we need to be doing in prayer, not understanding that the goal of prayer is that God wants to do something in you and God wants to do something through you, and that's not possible until you're in a posture of prayer. That prayer makes things possible. And so many times we get off on these side things, and, and, and the, the thing that I really want to connect prayer to tonight uh, is, is a kingdom understanding. Because when we, when we talk about the purpose and the power of prayer, we can't, we can't understand that, we can't walk in that without an understanding of the kingdom of God. So to understand prayer, I must understand the kingdom. That prayer without knowledge of the kingdom is fruitless. That, that I'll, not be, I'll not see any benefits from praying if I don't have an understanding of God's kingdom. Jesus had one primary message while he was on the earth. He talked about the church one time, but he talked about the kingdom every other word. Why? Because he came to bring a kingdom. And if we don't understand the kingdom of God, then we will fail to, to really receive the magnitude of what prayer is all about. If you take the concept of prayer outside of the context of the kingdom, you, it will result in religious activity. It will result in religious activity. Prayer is not a religious activity. Prayer, watch this, prayer is the most misunderstood activity in the church. I want to I just leave that with you. It's the most misunderstood activity in the church, but I want to sec- add a second statement to it. Prayer is the most mis- misunderstood uh, activity in the church, but it's also the church's number one responsibility. So it, it's the most misunderstood, but it is the most important thing that we do is this concept of prayer. It's a paradox when we, when we look at that because we read in 2 Corinthians 5 that you and I, we are ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative. Everybody say representative. That's what an ambassador is. One who represents another. He goes to a foreign country and represents the throne of that government. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing in the earth as Christ ambassadors in the earth is that we are representing the throne of God everywhere we go, but many times we don't have the revelation we need to to represent his throne because we've not been in a place of prayer. John Wesley said it like this. This is a quote from John Wesley. He said, "Um, it seems that Without God, man cannot, and without man, God will not. That without God, man cannot, and without man, God will not. What what does he mean by that? Without God, man cannot, and without man, God will not. This is the principle in the kingdom that there has to be a partnership between heaven and earth. There has to be agreement between heaven and earth. So what happens on earth depends on you. Now, listen, I I can't emphasize this enough because it's literally true. That what happens in the earth is dependent on you. That, That you are that important to the kingdom of heaven operating and functioning in earth. So let, let's, let's give prayer, uh, there's a, so many uh, definitions of prayer, but write this definition down of prayer. If you were to ask, what is prayer? Prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. It's earthly license for heavenly Interference. What does that mean? Prayer is not an option for the believer. That it is a necessity. That it is not religious activity. It, it, watch this. Prayer is legal 
activity. So, so many times we don't understand the power of prayer because we think it is a religious box to be checked, not understanding that prayer is you and I operating in kingdom authority and we are actually operating in legal authority. Jesus, watch this, he was more um, political than he was religious. Jesus did not come to bring a religion. He came to bring a kingdom. That's what he came to bring, not, not a religion, not, not something where we check the box, I went to church, I read my Bible, and I prayed a prayer. He came to bring the kingdom on the earth. Now, I'm going to say a few things that for some of you, uh, some of you, you, you know this, and this is not going to be difficult for you, but there are people in the room tonight, this is going to be a head scratcher. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, it's all right, it's all right, we're going to preach the Bible, it's Okay. Let me make another statement. The most powerful creature on earth is the human. The most powerful creature on earth is the, hum the human. It is you. And how, how does that happen? How did that happen? Because it happened because God gave authority on earth to mankind, legal authority. Genesis chapter 1, if you want to look at that, Look at verses 26, 27, and 28. It says, Then God said, Let us, and, and I'm, I just need to explain this because I know where I'm going. When God said, Let us, how many of you understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were present there? So many people think Jesus, you know, didn't come until Mary gave birth. No, Jesus was there with the Father in the beginning. Let us make man watch this, make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So you got authority over all the creeps, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So that text, we, we learn that God created humans, placed them on the earth, and then he gave them dominion. Everybody say dominion. So he gave them authority on the earth. The question becomes, what is human? When we, when we talk about humans, when we talk about mankind, what are we talking about? Um, hit your neighbor real quick and tell them, I'm human. Now look back at them. Or if, if they said that to you, look back at them and say, I hope so. Right? I hope you're not something else. So, so what is human? Um, and the best place to, to answer that, the best place to start if we're going to identify or define what a human is, is to number one, let everybody in the room know, you don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. Now this, this is very, very important that you understand. So many people want to teach that we have a spirit. No, you are a spirit, okay? You are a spirit. Um, you are a spirit, but you live in a dirt body. And God carved your body from the dust. How many understand that God formed us from the dust of the ground? That's how God made it. He formed us. Your body, though, is 100% dirt. This is why um, when you leave um, your body, when you die, how many know, what do we do with the body? We, we put it back in the dirt where it came from. It's nothing but dirt. So here's the thing. Whether you're uh, black, white, red, or yellow, your body is nothing but, but dirt. And so I just want to go ahead and encourage someone today, don't ever measure your worth by your dirt. Because it's just dirt, okay? It's just a body that God has given you. A human is, is a spirit being in a dirt body. That's what a human is. Uh, the word humus is the word for dirt, okay? We're going, I told you we're going a little bit deep. 
The word humus is the word for dirt. Humus is dirt. Man is not the same word. Man is the spirit being. Okay? It's the spirit being. The Hebrew word for man is the word ish. I-S-H. That is the word for man. And the book of Genesis, when God said, let us make man, he used uh, the, the Greek word, the Hebrew word, he used ish, I-S-H, that is the spirit being, okay? You are a spirit. Hit your neighbor and say, you are a spirit, okay? You are a spirit. Man is a spirit. His body is humus, dirt. He is a spirit, but his body is dirt. Then God took the man, okay, the spirit, and he put it in the dirt, human, the, the humus. So the, you then, you have uh, the, way it, it, the, 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 the way you would say it would be a humus man. We don't write it that way. We took the syllable out in the middle, and we call it human. And what we're saying when we talk about a, a human is we're talking about a dirt body that has a spirit. Is everybody following me so far? You're a dirt body and with a spirit. And so you are spirit, but you have a dirt body. God created the human race. God put the spirit man in the dirt body, and then he said, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. The only being that has legal rights on earth to function, given by God to have dominion, is a spirit in a dirt body. Humans, mankind, Adam and Eve, were given authority. Now, everybody's still tracking. All right, keep, keep tracking with me for just a minute. Don't tune me out here. Here's, here's the mystery. Any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on the earth. Any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on the earth. If you do not understand that concept, the Bible can be confusing. It can be hard to understand, including the incarnation of Jesus, including the incarnation. Why, why did Jesus have to come? Because any spirit without a dirt body is illegal in the earth. Now, some of you, you, the light bulb just came on. Now you understand why demons are illegal and why you've been given authority to cast them out. Any spirit that doesn't have a dirt body is illegal. Watch this, including demons, and watch this. God even put himself in that box. That God did not say, let us have dominion, when God made the earth and put man in it, God said, let them have dominion. That anything God speaks becomes law, and God can never violate his law. If God ever violated his word or his law, then we wouldn't be able to trust God. So God put Adam in the garden and gave him dominion. Adam gave God a physical body in the earth, right? And he had dominion. Now, let's track a little bit further. This is why, uh, even, even to the point of when you lose your body and you die, how many know you are now illegal? The point I'm making is that the most powerful weapon you have is your body. Your physical body on the earth is what makes you legal. It's real quiet in here. Your physical body is what makes you legal in the earth. Let's go a little bit further. Your spirit never dies. You never die because you are spirit. How many know when you die, that's not you, that's the dirt. But once the dirt dies and returns to the dirt, it is now illegal, right? We don't have authority anymore in the earth. We're talking about the earth. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about the earth. So the most powerful weapon you have on the earth is your body because your body keeps you legal on the earth. This is why it's a freedom night. I've got to go ahead and talk. I know this is about prayer. It's a freedom night. I've got to talk about it. This is why demons are always trying to get in your body. 
Demons are illegal and have no authority unless a human comes into agreement with a spirit. Otherwise, the spirit is illegal and has no power. All right. They're trying to become legal. So when we talk about demon possession, we talk about um, someone being demonized, it is a demon that is trying to utilize a person's body so that they can become legal and function on the earth. Does that make sense? Watch this. God chose not, not only to put man in charge, but he, he chose to put man in charge and to even make himself illegal on the earth. I want to show you what I mean by illegal on the earth. He said, let them have dominion over the earth, and he didn't include himself in that. He created this law when he said, let them, that was law. So he was never going to violate this law, that, that man had the authority. How many know we learned that in the Garden of Eden? Man had authority. God needs humans to come into agreement with heaven so that heaven can come into the earth. How many of you understand if we ignore God and we're not in the presence of God and we're not doing the will of God or reading the word of God, then we can't bring heaven into the earth. That heaven is not going to come into the earth unless we are in agreement with heaven, in agreement with God. Now, a couple of things. You may want to write a couple of things down here. Let me give you five, five just quick principles. One, legal, the legal authority to dominate earth was given to humans. All right? Secondly, God did not include himself in the legal authority structure on earth. We're going to go a little bit deeper and show you this in a few minutes. God said, let them, he took himself out of the equation, not because God is weak, not because God is not all-powerful. It, it is just the way he chose to do it. Man is going to have authority on the earth. Man became the legal steward or the manager on the earth. Okay? Man became that. Only spirits in a body are legal on the earth. Let me take it a step. Even the Holy Spirit needs a body. Even the Holy Spirit is looking... That's why, why do you think Paul said we have this treasure in an earthen vessel? The Holy Spirit is also wanting to uh, take up residence in your life. Paul said we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. The last principle here real quick, any supernatural influence on earth is only legal through a human. So let, let's, let's walk this out so that we have understanding. When Eve was in the garden, and she was about to take the fruit, okay? She's about to take the forbidden fruit. Uh, have you ever thought about why didn't God stop her? Maybe y'all don't think like that, but why, like, why didn't God just come down and say, nope, not happening today? I want to tell you why God didn't do it. Had God came down and interrupted that conversation between Eve and the devil, he would have been violating his word because listen, man had been given authority. It was up to man what man would do on the earth. And so at any point, you would think, couldn't God come and interfere? He's all powerful. I mean, couldn't he stop a woman from eating the apple? You would think, yeah, yeah, God can do that. If God had came in, he would have been violating his word. Now we gotta look at Satan for just a minute because Satan or Lucifer is also a part of this story. Adam and Eve, and then Satan comes into the garden, and Satan is a spiritual being, which means he is illegal in the earth as well. Because the only way to be legal in the earth is to have what? Right. Y'all are catching on. Come on, high-five two people and say, you got it. You got it. He's illegal, but watch this. Satan wants to do business on the earth, but he needs a body. So what does Satan do? He goes to the serpent. It's, it, I'll just paraphrase. Basically saying to the snake, I'm going to borrow your body for a few minutes because I'm illegal if I don't have some dirt. So he used the snake 
to have this conversation with Eve. And I'm going to show you this uh, a little bit deeper here. Because what that did when he came in the form of the snake or used the body of a snake to have this conversation with Eve is that temporarily he had dirt. So he had a conversation with Eve. And the Bible tells us that after this, the Lord God cursed the serpent because he had allowed, I believe it's because he had allowed the devil to utilize his body. The Bible says, how many of y'all know that snakes used to walk upright? The Bible tells us snakes walked upright. But after this incident with Eve, what did God do? He cursed the snake who was upright and said, from this day forward, you're going to be crawling around on the dust. Now, I don't know about you, but snakes just crawling around, that's bad. I couldn't imagine one walking at me. Right? Thank God he cursed it. You know? The point is that Satan needed a dirt body, and he does business with this woman through the dirt body, and the whole human race is about to fall. And God did not interfere, and watch this, God could not interfere with what was going on. And the point here is that we also need to understand that Satan used to be in the presence of God, right? Before he got kicked out, he was with God. He was a worship leader in heaven. We understand that. He knows God very well. Um, I, I think he even knows the fact that God had given man dominion and that God was not going to come down in the garden and interfere with this conversation because God had said, let them have dominion. They failed in the garden. God did not interfere, and the whole human race collapsed. The Bible tells us that even the Holy Spirit could not strive with man. Even in the Old Testament when they would prophesy, how many of you understand that it, it's not like it is now because Jesus made a way for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our lives, but in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit could only come upon people, but the Holy Spirit could not live there, could not stay there. The Holy Spirit would come and go. Aren't you thankful that now the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go, but he comes and he takes up residence every single day? So what happened is we declared independence in the garden from the kingdom of heaven. We became a colony without a kingdom. We lost our father and our government. Now, Satan knew that God could not come in, but I think he forgot that God could still speak. Because here's what happened. In Genesis chapter 3, if you want to look at it, verses 14 and 15, God begins to speak, not here to Adam and Eve, he begins to speak to Satan. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God is directly speaking to Satan here, and he's basically saying, you used a woman to mess everything up, but I'm also going to use a woman. She's going to give me a body. I'm going to come into the earth legally, and I'm going to crush your head. That was the promise that God gave to Satan that day. Now you understand why God had to become a man. The entire Old Testament is simply a complete repetition, prophets talking about God is coming, God is coming, a Messiah is coming, a Savior is coming. Over and over again, we hear the message that God is coming, so much so that Isaiah got some details, and he said, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall conceive and bring forth a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. M means in. Man, right? Man means mankind. And L is Elohim, God. Emmanuel is simply God inside of a man's body. So when Jesus showed up, it was God in a man's body. 100% man, 100% dirt, that's, that's the human side of Jesus, but how many know he was also 100% God? 
He was both. I love this, this, this part of Isaiah. Isaiah got these details, and in, in chapter 9, this is where it really makes sense. Verses 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he goes on to talk about the government on his shoulders, talks about a kingdom, talks about a prince of peace, everlasting thought, this incredible prophecy that, that we read all throughout the year. Um, but he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. I love this. The child is born, not the son. I mean, don't confuse the child with the son. The child is the body. The son is God. The child will be born, but he's very clear here, the son will be given. Okay? The child will be born, that's the dirt, but the son will be given. How many of you understand, I said it earlier, Jesus didn't show up just when he was born, Jesus. Jesus existed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. How many of you understand Jesus has always been? So a child was born. Mary gave birth to a child, but the Son was given. Given by God. So the child and the Son, there is a distinction here. Um, we can't confuse the child with the Son. Mary is the mother of the child, but she's not really the mother of the son. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus has been. How many? There's never been a time when Jesus wasn't. He was there in the beginning with God. So a child is born, that is the body, but now the Christ is given. And what was cool is that the body gave God legal authority again in the earth. See, this is so important to prayer because you would think God is so powerful. Why can't he just save us from heaven? Why, do, why does he got to walk all this out? Because he had no authority in the earth. He had given it to man. There was no way for him to do it unless he came in the form of a man. The child will be born, but I'm going to put the son on the inside of the child. The child will be the dirt body. The son is Elohim. The son is Jehovah. I'm going to say it like this. The child will make the son legal. 4,000 years later, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman. The angel said to Mary, you shall conceive a child, and you shall call the name, his name Jesus. Yeshua, which means Savior. You will name the child, but you will not name the son. He is already named. He is Christ. He is the anointed one. So Jesus, the body, the, the child, made the son of God legal in the earth. And this is so powerful to understand that for anything to get accomplished in the earth, God needs a body. He needs us to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus didn't come just so we could have a religion. Jesus came so we could experience the, the kingdom in all its fullness. He came to open up a way. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil in the temple... The veil that kept everybody out was torn from top to bottom. Listen to me, that, that's proof that man did not tear the veil. It wasn't so much that man could get in, but it was God saying, I'm ready to get out of living in a box. I want to I wanna dwell with my people. I want to take up residence on the inside of those that follow me. It was rent from top to bottom, not just so we could get in, but so that God could get out. Because you have a body. God needs you to get things done in the earth. If you read the Bible with this understanding, it will, it'll change everything. Because God needs you and I to cooperate with him for anything in earth to be accomplished. You can see this even in the Old Testament. When you remember the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, that God is like, um, this place is evil. And I'm tired of watching it. Everybody's evil in, in, in these cities, and I'm going to destroy it. 
But instead of just wiping it out, what did God do? He had to find somebody in the earth to give him license to move. So he showed up to Abraham. Y'all know the story, right? And he's talking to Abraham about this city. And Abraham finally figured it out, like, Okay, he's talking to me, he's God, he's all-powerful, he could just destroy the city, but he's talking to me about what to do about this city. And so Abraham said, if I can find 50 righteous, will you spare the city? And God said, if you find 50 righteous, I won't touch it. He comes back and says, if I find 40 righteous, God says, you're the boss. If I find 30, God says, keep on dealing all the way down to to where they could not find anyone that was righteous. And Abraham went into the city, got Lot, y'all remember the story? Got Lot and said, hey, we gotta get out here because I'm about to give God permission to go ahead and wipe out this evil city. And the Bible says that they got out and what happened? God destroyed the city. God didn't do anything in the Old Testament or anything many times without announcing announcing that through the people of God. Um, Let me say it like this. God was showing Abraham, and I think a lot of times what he's trying to show us is that he has the power, but he's given you the authority. And a lot of times we just choose not to exercise his authority. We don't want to exercise the authority of God. Um, Are y'all getting anything out of this? Okay, Uh, y'all making me real nervous. Um, Prayer is man giving God permission. I I know some of y'all, even that line right there, it makes you like, oh, giving God permission. He gave us dominion. Prayer is man giving God permission to interfere with all the activities that are going on on the earth. Listen, if we stop praying, heaven shuts down. I had a mentality for years growing up because I I, I was around a lot of religious culture. And I had a mentality, he's God, he'll do what he wants, when he wants. That was my mentality. You know, at some way I even thought, why pray? Because, I mean, he's God. But God does nothing in the earth unless he can find people that will come into agreement with his will to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth, that every time you pray, it is an opportunity to invite God into the earth through your life. You turn the pages of the Bible, you'll find God saying in the book of Exodus, you'll hear God saying, uh, I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard their cry. They are being tortured by the Egyptians. And I want, I want to deliver them. I want to do something about it. I want to change this situation. I don't want my people in this situation any longer. But I, what, what does God do? I've got to find a man. He doesn't just show up and deliver a nation. What does God do? He calls Moses and says, hey, Moses, the cry of my people have come up before me, and I need you to be a deliverer. What does Moses do? He starts arguing with God. He starts saying, I'm from the wrong family. I got the wrong skin color. I don't talk well. He's probably, he's just arguing with God. He was probably from West Virginia. God's like, shut up. I want to use you to set a nation free. And listen, take it a step further. I can't set the nation free if you don't work with me. I can't even do what I want to do if you won't work with me. If you won't give me permission in the earth, it's not going to change. I have no legal right to do it unless you come into agreement with me. I love the story of the children of Israel because God understood I, I need representation. I need someone in authority to make this happen. And if you read um, the story, how the sea opened, the Red Sea, they, they finally get away, they're running for their lives, and they come to the Red Sea, and what we, you all know the story, they got nowhere to go. All sides is blocked in, and guess what? Pharaoh has decided to chase them. And they get there, and 
God is not even going to open up the Red Sea until Moses does something. So what does God do? He says, raise your staff. He's got to tell him what to do. Raise your staff and command it to open. He raises his staff. He commands the waters to open. They open. They start walking across on dry ground. Here's the problem. He spoke and he told it to open, but when they got to the other side, Moses didn't have enough sense to know, I need to now tell it to close. Because the army is chasing them. So what does he do? He has to get to the other side and command the waters to close. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us all this? Because if you're sick in body, if you've got lost people in your life, if you've got a depression or anxiety, you've got things going on in your life, it's not going to change until you start exercising the authority that Jesus gave you. It's not going to change until you do something. Stop saying, I'm waiting on God. We're not waiting on God. Just say yes. Just do what he's told you to do. Do the Bible. I said all 2023. Just do the Bible. This nation is so messed up. You, the message I should just preach all year is just do the Bible. If we would just do the Bible, how many know God would show up and honor it? That if we would do the Bible, God would show up in power and in authority. We look at this. And this is why, this is why God needs you to pray. Because when you pray, that is license to God to move. When you pray, how many's ever been in a season where you just thought, I'll just let God do it. He'll, he'll just do what he wants. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm waiting around on the Lord. Anybody ever been there? Listen, it won't change. Until we pray, until we get in the presence of God, it's not going to change. If we stop praying, heaven shuts down. Now this verse may make more sense to you where Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, where in, wherever any two of you come together and agree concerning anything on earth, then it can be done by your Father who is in heaven. I love that. If two of us will come into agreement pertaining anything on the earth. Why? Because we have legal authority on the earth. That my heavenly Father will do it. So if we stop petitioning God through prayer, then God stops working on the earth. I'm going to ask the worship team to get in place. I'm, I'm not done. Hit somebody and say, he's not done. But it'll help me land the plane a little quicker. I want you to get this. How many already feel like this is going to change your prayer life? right? It's not a religious activity, not a religious activity at all. Um, in, the, in the New Testament, there's a lot of references to the scribes and the Pharisees coming against Jesus, and a lot of times they would ask questions like, on what authority do you do these things? He's healing people, he's raising the dead, he's casting out devils, and it's very interesting when you, when you read a lot of the text about the authority of Jesus, that Jesus would answer, and he would say that I only do what I see my Father doing. That my Father works, and then I work. I watch Him, and then I do what He does. And Jesus used two phrases to describe Himself. He used the phrase, Son of God, but he also used the phrase, Son of Man. Two different terms, Son of God, that is the God side of Jesus, and the Son of Man, which is the dirt side. The dirt side of Jesus is what made the God side of Jesus legal. It's why the only way we could be saved was for the Son to come into the earth and live as a man. He needed physical representation on the earth in order to save us. And he tells the people that ask the question, on what authority do you do these things? And he would answer, I do miracles because, not, not just because I am the Son of God, but many times he would answer it because I am the Son 
of man. His body is what gave him authority. Listen, if it was any other way, how many know Jesus didn't have to come and die for it? God could have just saved us and did it all from heaven. But authority was given to man. And that's what makes what Jesus did for you and I so powerful. That's why Paul wrote, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That's why he wrote that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body makes God legal. And when we stop praying, heaven shuts down. Do you know that your physical body makes you dangerous? Some of y'all thought, yeah, you should see it. I'll be okay. Thank you. Your physical body actually makes you dangerous. And I don't know that I fully understood this until recently. Um, You need to to know that part of the reason why God provided divine healing in the atonement is because he needs your body to accomplish his will on the earth. That when we pray for the sick to be healed, so many times we only think it's about their healing. Do you know that God wants to heal not for your sake? He wants to heal for his sake because when you got a body, it means he has representation in the earth. That your body makes the Holy Spirit legal on the earth. It's why Jesus said, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you want it to be bound up, then do something about it. If you want something to be loose, then you loose it. I am so tired of us playing church saying God's going to do this and God's going to do that. If we don't get up and take our rightful place in the kingdom of God, then we might as well get comfortable living the life we're living. But God has so much more that he wants to do in your life. You are important to God. I'm going to say it like this. You are God's secret weapon. You are God's battle axe. If it's going to get done, how many know we got to get it done? Through the power of God. That's why we're encouraged to pray without ceasing. To never stop praying. To petition heaven. I don't know what the, the first week or two of the year has been like for you, but if I could encourage you to do anything in 2024 is that every time you go to pray, realize this is an opportunity for me to give God permission to interfere with the affairs that's going on in the earth. That every time I pray, it is an opportunity for me to allow God to do something in the earth. He has the power, he's given us the authority. If you got something from the word tonight, can you stand to your feet and can you give Jesus a praise if you got something from it? Oh, you can do better than that. Come on. Now listen, um, there's a lot we could do, but in this altar time, and I just want you to know heaven wants to show up on the earth. Heaven wants to come. The question is not, does heaven want to come? The question is, is are we on the earth willing to be the conduit by which heaven comes? God wants to use you. God wants to use me. You say, well, I'm sick in body. Well, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. God wants to heal you for his sake. He needs your body to get things done in the earth. Listen, 
When we die, our body goes back to the dirt. We're now illegal. How I many we can't do kingdom business on the earth once we're dead? We can only do kingdom business on the earth while we're living. So I say, let's work while it's day. Let's bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Let's preach the word of God. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's understand that if, if we don't make ourselves available to God, then it's not going to get done. So here's what I want to do tonight. I want to open up these altars. I'm going to ask that the prayer team and the staff go ahead and get in a position. We're going to open up these altars. And here's what I want you to do tonight. If you need prayer for anything at all, I want you to come and receive prayer. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to meet us in these altars tonight in a very powerful way. If you don't need prayer for anything specific, but you just need to spend some time in the presence of God, maybe you need to pray through this message you just heard. That because you have a body, you are you have authority. So all you gotta do is invite the Holy Spirit to come and invite God's will to be done in your life. But I believe that God wants to heal people tonight. Listen, this is why deliverance is so important because how many demons are illegal? They have to go. They can't stay. They have to go in the name of Jesus. Sin, sickness, poverty, and disease. God came to set us free through Jesus from all of those things. And there's freedom in the house tonight. There's deliverance in the house tonight. Worship team is going to come right now. They're going to begin singing. I just want to pray as they make their way out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence that is in this room. God, I thank you for the word, God, that you've given us tonight. Help us to take it to heart, to understand, God, that you have given us dominion in the earth. And God, that if we stop praying, heaven stops moving. But God, as long as we will position ourselves in a posture of prayer, God, that we will open ourselves up to what you want to do in the earth. And God, I pray over this congregation tonight, over every person under the sound of my voice, I pray, God, for those that are sick in body, be healed in Jesus' name. Those, God, that are battling, God, uh, anxiety and depression, God, we, we break that in Jesus' name. And God, we, we say be free, be healed, and be whole in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. These altars are open. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.